This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Lebrun, Boston, Massachusetts. How to Speak and Write Correctly by Joseph Devlin. Chapter 12 Writing for Newspapers. Qualification Appropriate Subjects Directions. The newspaper nowadays goes into every home in the land. What was formerly regarded as a luxury is now looked upon as a necessity. No matter how poor the individual, he is not too poor to afford a penny to learn not only what is taking place around him in his own immediate vicinity, but also what is happening in every quarter of the globe. The laborer on the street can be as well posted on the news of the day as the banker in his office. Through the newspaper, he can feel the pulse of the country, and find whether its vitality is increasing or diminishing. He can read the signs of the times, and scan the political horizon for what concerns his own interests. The doings of foreign countries are spread before him, and he can see at a glance the occurrences in the remotest corners of the earth. If a fire occurred in London last night, he can read about it at his breakfast table in New York this morning and probably get a better account than the Londoners themselves. If a duel takes place in Paris, he can read all about it, even before the contestants have left the field. There are upwards of 3,000 daily newspapers in the United States, more than 2,000 of which are published in towns containing less than 100,000 inhabitants. In fact, many places of less than 10,000 population can boast the publishing of a daily newspaper. There are more than 15,000 weeklies published. Some of the so-called country papers wield quite an influence in their localities, and even outside, and are money-making agencies for their owners and those connected with them, both by way of circulation and advertisements. It is surprising the number of people in this country who make a living in the newspaper field. Apart from the regular toilers, there are thousands of men and women who make newspaper work a side issue, who add tiny sums of pin money to their incomes by occasional contributions to the daily, weekly, and monthly press. Most of these people are only persons of ordinary, everyday ability, having just enough education to express themselves intelligently in writing. It is a mistake to imagine, as so many do, that an extended education is necessary for newspaper work. Not at all. On the contrary, in some cases, a high-class education is a hindrance, not a help, in this direction. The general newspaper does not want learned disquisitions nor philosophical theses. As its name implies, it wants news, current news, interesting news, something to appeal to its readers, to arouse them and rivet their attention, in this respect, very often a boy can write a better article than a college professor. The professor would be apt to use words beyond the capacity of most of the readers, while the boy, not knowing such words, would probably simply tell what he saw, how great the damage was, who were killed or injured, etc., and use language which all would understand. Of course, there are some brilliant scholars, deeply read men and women in the newspaper realm. But, on the whole, those who have made the greatest names commenced ignorant enough, and most of them graduated by way of the country paper. 
Some of the leading writers of England and America at the present time started their literary careers by contributing to the rural press. They perfected and polished themselves as they went along until they were able to make names for themselves in universal literature. If you want to contribute to newspapers or enter the newspaper field as a means of livelihood, don't let lack of a college or university education stand in your way. As has been said elsewhere in this book, some of the greatest masters of English literature were men who had but little advantage in the way of book learning. Shakespeare, Bunyan, Burns, and scores of others, who have left their names indelibly inscribed on the tablets of fame, had little to boast in the way of book education, but they had what is popularly known as horse sense, and a good working knowledge of the world. In other words, they understood human nature, and were natural themselves. Shakespeare understood mankind because he was himself a man. Hence, he has portrayed the feelings, the emotions, the passions with a master's touch, delineating the king in his place as true to nature as he has done the peasant in his hut. The monitor within his own breast gave him warning as to what was right and what was wrong, just as the daemon ever by the side of old Socrates whispered in his ear the course to pursue under any and all circumstances. Burns, guiding the plough, conceived thoughts, and clothed them in a language which has never, nor probably ever will be, surpassed by all the learning which art can confer. These men were natural, and it was the perfection of this naturality that wreathed their brows with the never-fading laurels of undying fame. If you would essay to write for the newspaper, you must be natural, and express yourself in your accustomed way without putting on airs or frills. You must not ape ornaments and indulge in bombast or rodimentade, which stamp a writer as not only superficial, but silly. There is no room for such in the everyday newspaper. It wants facts stated in plain, unvarnished, unadorned language. True, you should read the best authors and, as far as possible, imitate their style but don't try to literally copy them. Be yourself on every occasion, no one else. Not like Homer would I write, not like Dante if I might, not like Shakespeare at his best, not like Goethe or the rest, like myself, however small, like myself or not at all. Put yourself in the place of the reader, and write what will interest yourself, and in such a way that your language will appeal to your own ideas of the fitness of things. You belong to the great commonplace majority. Therefore, don't forget that in writing for the newspapers, you are writing for that majority, and not for the learned and aesthetic minority. Remember, you are writing for the man on the street and in the streetcar. You want to interest him, to compel him to read what you have to say. He does not want a display of learning. He wants news about something which concerns himself, and you must tell it to him in a plain, simple manner, just as you would do if you were face to face with him. What can you write about? Why, about anything that will constitute current news, some leading event of the day, anything that will appeal to the readers of the paper to which you wish to submit it. No matter in what locality you may live, however backward it may be, 
you can always find something of genuine human interest to others. If there is no news happening, write of something that appeals to yourself. We are all constituted alike, and the chances are that what will interest you will interest others. Descriptions of adventure are generally acceptable. Tell of a fox hunt, or a badger hunt, or a bear chase. If there is any important manufacturing plant in your neighborhood, describe it, and, if possible, get photographs, for photography plays a very important part in the news items of today. If a great man lives near you, one whose name is on the tip of every tongue, go and get an interview with him, obtain his views on the public questions of the day, describe his home life and his surroundings, and how he spends his time. Try and strike something germane to the moment, something that stands out prominently in the limelight of the passing show. If a noted personage, some famous man or woman, is visiting the country, it is a good time to write up the place from which he or she comes, and the record he or she has made there. For instance, it was opportune to write of Sulu and the little Pacific archipelago during the Sultan's trip through the country. If an attempt is made to blow up an American battleship, say, in the harbor of Appia in Samoa, it affords a chance to write about Samoa and Robert Louis Stevenson. When Manuel was hurled from the throne of Portugal, it was a ripe time to write of Portugal and Portuguese affairs. If any great occurrence is taking place in a foreign country, such as the crowning of a king or the dethronement of a monarch, it is a good time to write up the history of the country and describe the events leading up to the main issue. When a particularly savage outbreak occurs amongst wild tribes in the dependencies, such as a rising of the Manobos in the Philippines, it is opportune to write of such tribes and their surroundings, and the causes leading up to the revolt. Be constantly on the lookout for something that will suit the passing hour. Read the daily papers, and probably in some obscure corner you may find something that will serve you as a foundation for a good article something, at least, that will give you a clue. Be circumspect in your selection of a paper to which to submit your copy. Know the tone and general import of the paper, its social leanings and political affiliations, also its religious sentiments, and, in fact, all the particulars you can regarding it. It would be injudicious for you to send an article on a prize fight to a religious paper, or, vice versa, an account of a church meeting, to the editor of a sporting sheet. If you get your copy back, don't be disappointed, nor yet disheartened. Perseverance counts more in the newspaper field than anywhere else, and only perseverance wins in the long run. You must become resilient. If you are pressed down, spring up again. No matter how many rebuffs you may receive, do not be discouraged, but call fresh energy to your assistance, and make another stand. If the right stuff is in you, it is sure to be discovered. Your light will not remain long hidden under a bushel in the newspaper domain. If you can deliver the goods, editors will soon be begging you instead of your begging them. Those men are constantly on the lookout for persons who can make good. Once you get into print, the battle is won, for it will be an incentive to you to persevere and improve yourself at every turn. Go over everything you write, cut and slash and prune, until you get it into as perfect form as possible. 
eliminate every superfluous word, and be careful to strike out all ambiguous expressions and references. If you are writing for a weekly paper, remember it differs from a daily one. Weeklies want what will not alone interest the man on the street, but the woman at the fireside. They want out-of-the-way facts, curious scraps of lore, personal notes of famous or eccentric people, reminiscences of exciting experiences, interesting gleanings in life's numberless byways, in short, anything that will entertain, amuse, instruct the home circle. There is always something occurring in your immediate surroundings, some curious event or thrilling episode that will furnish you with the data for an article. You must know the nature of the weekly to which you submit your copy, the same as you must know the daily. For instance, the Christian Herald, while avowedly a religious weekly, treats such secular matters as makes the paper appeal to all. On its religious side, it is non-sectarian, covering the broad field of Christianity throughout the world. On its secular side, it deals with human events in such an impartial way that everyone, no matter to what class they may belong or to what creed they may subscribe, can take a living personal interest. The monthlies offer another attractive field for the literary aspirant. Here, again, don't think that you must be a university professor to write for a monthly magazine. Many, indeed most, of the foremost magazine contributors are men and women who have never passed through a college except by going in at the front door and emerging from the back one. However, for the most part, they are individuals of wide experience who know the practical side of life as distinguished from the theoretical. The ordinary monthly magazine treats of the leading questions and issues which are engaging the attention of the world for the moment, great inventions, great discoveries, whatever is engrossing the popular mind for the time being, such as flying machines, battleships, skyscrapers, the opening of mines, the development of new lands, political issues, views of party leaders, character sketches of distinguished personages, etc. However, before trying your skill for a monthly magazine, it would be well for you to have a good apprenticeship in writing for the daily press. Above all things, remember that perseverance is the key that opens the door of success. Persevere! If you are turned down, don't get disheartened. On the contrary, let the rebuff act as a stimulant to further effort. Many of the most successful writers of our time have been turned down again and again. For days and months, even years, some of them have hawked their wares from one literary door to another until they found a purchaser. You may be a great writer in embryo, but you will never develop into a fetus, not to speak of full maturity, unless you bring out what is in you. Give yourself a chance to grow, and seize upon everything that will enlarge the scope of your horizon. Keep your eyes wide open, and there is not a moment of the day in which you will not see something to interest you, and in which you may be able to interest others. Learn, too, how to read nature's book. There's a lesson in everything, in the stones, the grass, the trees, the babbling brooks, and the singing birds. Interpret the lesson for yourself, then teach it to others. Always be in earnest in your writing. Go about it in a determined kind of way. Don't be faint-hearted or backward. Be brave. Be brave, and evermore be brave.
on the wide tented field in the battle of life, with an army of millions before you. Like a hero of old, gird your soul for the strife, and let not the foeman tramp o'er you. Act, act like a soldier, and proudly rush on, the most valiant in bravery's van. With keen flashing sword, cut your way to the front, and show to the world you're a man. If you are of the masculine gender, be a man in all things, in the highest and best acceptation of the word. That is the noblest title you can boast, higher far than that of earl or duke, emperor or king. In the same way, womanhood is the grandest crown the feminine head can wear. When the world frowns on you, and everything seems to go wrong, possess your soul in patience, and hope for the dawn of a brighter day. It will come. The sun is always shining behind the darkest clouds. When you get your manuscripts back again and again, don't despair, nor think the editor cruel and unkind. He too has troubles of his own. Keep up your spirits until you have made the final test and put your talents to a last analysis. Then, if you find you cannot get into print, be sure that newspaper writing or literary work is not your forte and turn to something else. If nothing better presents itself, try shoemaking or digging ditches. Remember, honest labor, no matter how humble, is ever dignified. If you are a woman, throw aside the pen, sit down, and darn your brother's, your father's, or your husband's socks, or put on a calico apron, take soap and water, and scrub the floor. No matter who you are, do something useful. That old sophistry about the world owing you a living has been exploded long ago. The world does not owe you a living, but you owe it servitude, and if you do not pay the debt, you are not serving the purpose of an all-wise providence and filling the place for which you were created. It is for you to serve the world, to make it better, brighter, higher, holier, grander, nobler, richer, for your having lived in it. This you can do in no matter what position fortune has cast you, whether it be that of street laborer or president. Fight the good fight, and gain the victory. Above all, to thine own self be true, and twill follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. End of chapter 12 Writing for Newspapers